Good morning. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Um, I have to start with this. I heard a story about a man. Uh, one of his lifelong dreams, one of his lifelong ambitions was to go to the Holy Land. Um, and he's going back and forth with his wife, trying to convince her that, hey, we need to do this. And finally she said, okay, there's one condition. My mom has to go with me. So eventually he agrees, and him, his wife, and his mother-in-law, they, they fly off to the Holy Land, and they're seeing the sights, they're smelling the smells, they're just doing everything they can, and sadly, while they were in Jerusalem, his mother-in-law passed away. So the man, he's at the mortuary, he's talking to the director, and the director says, here's your options. We, we can send her body back to the United States, but it's going to cost $5,000. On the other hand, we can bury her right here in the Holy Land, just outside of Jerusalem for 150. The man says, I got to think about this. Give me a few minutes. And he walks out, comes back in, and he says, all right, I've made up my mind. I need you to send her back to the States. And the director says, are you sure? I, I, it's $5,000 to do that. We, we can bury her here for 150. And the man, he just looked at him and said, yeah, you buried somebody 2,000 years ago, and he came back to life. I can't take that chance. <laughs> the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it changed everything. Um, it changed a group of disillusioned, discouraged, downhearted disciples into a group on fire of passionate preachers going out, and they turned the world upside down with the message of the resurrection. And I want you to know today that the resurrection, it can change your life as well. It can bring something that we all need in this world that seems to be in such short supply. It's hope. Let me ask you this Easter Sunday morning, do you have hope? Maybe something's happened in your life, and, and it has caused you to lose hope. Maybe you're, you've come here and you're hopeless today. Maybe you've come to church this morning and you're discouraged because you've had more than your fair share of, of bad things happen in your life. Maybe you were hoping for a, a strong family, and today that family, it's splintered. And it's shattered. Maybe you were hoping for a happier marriage, but instead it's just gone south really quickly. Maybe you've been dreaming of success and you've seen other people succeed, but you still haven't. Maybe you've even wanted to be part of a powerful ministry, and that hasn't happened either. Possibly disaster has struck. The unexpected loss of a loved one an illness, something horrible has happened in your life. And what you feel like today is that God, that he's let you down, that he's disappointed you, that God has not kept his promises, or at least that's how you see things. And if you do feel like that today, you have come to the right place. Because our passage today in Luke chapter 4, 24, we find two disciples who had lost hope. And they'd lost hope. They'd lost hope because 
they had this false concept of the Messiah. All the Jews, all the Jews at the time, they believed the Messiah was coming. They didn't doubt that, but they thought that he was going to free them. That, that he would come with armies and there would be a battle and everybody would be happy. And, and... But Scripture speaks of something completely different. Scripture tells us of a suffering Savior. Psalm 22, Isaiah 53 tells us that, that our Savior would suffer. But the people at that time, they missed that. They didn't pay attention to that. And when Jesus rode into Jerusalem just a week before on a donkey, and they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. What they wanted, what they showed was their misunderstanding. They wanted him to come, and he wanted, they wanted the Messiah to come and overthrow Rome that day and set them free, establish your kingdom today. And really, everything seemed to be going pretty well up until that point, until suddenly and unexpectedly, Jesus was betrayed by one of his own disciples. He's, he was sent to trial, uh, he, and, and in this rush to judgment, he was beaten and ultimately executed like a common criminal. And his followers, they were devastated. They were devastated. This was their Messiah. This was their hero. This was their friend that they saw hanging on a Roman cross. They still loved him. They respected his teachings. They were honoring his memory, but they felt like, you let me down. And in their minds at that point, they felt like he had come short, that he hadn't achieved what he was supposed to do. Despite the fact that Jesus said that he would die and rise again, they missed that. And they wanted to get out of Jerusalem as quickly as possible. They didn't want to spend another day looking at that bloody cross. And as these two disciples, these two believers... We're on the road to Emmaus. A stranger joins them. And that's where we're going to pick up our passage. But let's pray before we go to his word. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you that today we celebrate that the grave couldn't hold you, that you are risen, that you're alive, and that you're still alive today. Father, I thank you for the opportunity uh, just to share this amazing passage and the hope that we can find in it. Lord, thank you so much for what Jesus did for us. Thank you for what he continues to do in our lives and what he wants to do in our futures. And Father, I pray that as we look at your word today, we find hope, even if we've lost it. Lord, thank you for your son. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. So Luke 24, starting in verse 13, God's word says, that very day, so this is still Easter. Understand, this is still Sunday. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, 
answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Who were these people? Well, we know one's name was Cleopas, and we don't know anything about the other person. And A lot of people actually believe that the other one was a woman, that they might have been a couple. We don't know. We're not sure. It doesn't really matter. But we do know they were followers of Jesus. And it's clear that these believers, that all of their hopes, all of their dreams have been shattered. They didn't believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. They, they heard that the tomb was empty, but they didn't go check it out. They weren't going to Galilee as Jesus had told them to. They were trying to get away. They were trying to put distance between them and the cross. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting that Jesus, who, who he made his post-resurrection appearances to, I mean, he, he could have appeared to Caesar. Uh, the Roman emperors were considered to literally be gods at the time. He could have appeared to Caesar. He, he, he could have appeared to Pontius Pilate. He could have appeared to Caiaphas or Annas. Any of those who had played a part in his, in his death. But he didn't appear to any of those people. In fact, the first person he appeared to was Mary Magdalene. She had come to the tomb early in the morning to anoint his dead body, and she instead met the risen Savior. He appeared to his disciples, but right now he's appearing to these two people that we know basically nothing about. Cleopas is only mentioned right here and never again. And yet, Jesus appears to him and spends time with him. He's walking with them, and they don't even realize it. While they were walking and talking together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Mark 16, verse 12 says, And after these things he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. And I don't know what that means. I, did, did he pull out those fake glasses with, with the big nose and the bushy mustache, put them on, and like, Hey guys, you don't know who I am. I'm sure it was a little more sophisticated than that when he took on another form. And you think about that, and wouldn't it be great if you could take on another form and talk to somebody and find out what they really think about you? I mean, just go up to somebody and say, hey, what do you think about Pastor John? Whoa, let me tell you what I really think about that guy. And here's Jesus walking with them, and they don't know it's him. And it points out this very important, simple truth to us, that God is with us whether we know it or not. 
He's always with us. You may not realize it, but he's there. And when you become a believer, Jesus Christ, he he becomes part of your life. And he promises that he will never leave you, that he'll never forsake you. See, he's not just with you on the sunny days. He's with you on the cloudy days, in the stormy days. He's not just with you on the mountaintops. He's with you in the valleys. He's always there. He's walking with you through everything that you're facing. You might not recognize him, but he's there. Isaiah 43, verse 2 tells us, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. So where were these two guys walking, or couple? Where were they going? Well, they're going away from the cross. They, they were walking away from that blood-stained cross. But I need you to listen. I need you to understand that every step away from the cross is a step in the wrong direction. Because when you've sinned, and you will, and I will, the devil, he's got this clever strategy, this ploy that he uses. First he'll say, hey, go ahead and sin. Go ahead and do that thing. Go ahead and say that thing. Just go for it. No, nobody's ever going to know about it. We're pals. We'll just keep it between us. And you say, okay. And you do it. And you take his bait, hook, line, sinker. And when your sin comes out, because your sin will find you out, the Bible tells us that, the devil will come back and he'll say, oh, you're just such a hypocrite. You're, you're, you're not good for anything. You're a failure. Don't think about praying and asking for forgiveness because you ain't getting it. But you need to know that the first thing that you need to do when you sin is make straight for the cross. And you need to say, Lord, I've sinned. I've failed. Forgive me. Understand that the blood that he shed on that cross paid the debt for every, every sin you'll ever commit. But the enemy doesn't want you to go to the cross. Maybe you'll say, well, I'm going to go to church, and the enemy's going to be like, wait, no, that's the last place that you should go. Don't go to church. But you should. It's just like the reason that you go to the hospital. Um, anybody like hospitals? I don't like hospitals. <laughs> Not a big fan. I mean, they're a good thing to have, but I mean, my favorite part of the hospital is when I leave. Um, I'm, I'm usually there visiting somebody until recently, but I, 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 it's not a place I want to hang around with. It, maybe you do. Maybe you think the food's good. I've had a lot of people tell me the food is just so great, and I'm like, I don't want to be there long enough to eat the food. But a hospital, it isn't a place that you go hang around at. You go to the hospital because you're sick, because you need attention. But sometimes we think of the church kind of like, hey, that's the place that all those godly, holy, religious, wonderful people, where they go. Not somebody like me. 
Not somebody like me that's a failure, who's a sinner, who's messed up. But you need to know that the church, it is a place for us to come together to worship. It's a place to hear God's word. It's, it's, it's a place for us to discover and to use our spiritual gifts. It's a place for us to serve. But it's also a place where lost people can be found. It's a place where people can have their lives turned around. So today, if you've come here as a visitor, welcome. I am so glad you're here. And if you've come here today as a sinner, as a failure, as a person who's messed up their life, let me just tell you this. The message of Easter God gives second chances, and he'll give you one as well. So these two, they're walking away from the cross, and it was a big mistake. Satan is always going to try to keep you away from the cross. He's going to try to keep you away from church, but God's always going to bring you to it. Uh, There's a story of a pastor who, who once, it was Easter Sunday, he woke up, and he's like, man, I just, I can't do this today. I'll call my associate, I'll ask him to do it. So he calls him up, and he says, <coughs> um, I don't feel too good today. Could you, could you preach today? And the associate's like, yeah, you better believe it. It's Easter, I'm going in. So the pastor grabs his golf clubs, throws them in the back of the car, and drives 100 miles or so away to a golf course. And God's up in heaven, and he's watching. He's like, this man's thinking, nobody in my church will be there. They're going to be in church. And God's watching, and an angel, he's sitting next to God, and he says, I can't believe what this guy's doing. He should be preaching. It's Easter. Are you going to let him get away with that? And God says, nah, no. Not going to happen. Pastor, he puts his ball in the tee, and he, I'm not good at golf. I don't golf. And he, and he hits the ball, and it sails towards the green, towards the flag. It hits the green and rolls in. He hits a 320-yard hole-in-one. And the angel says, God, why did you let him do that? He's like, who's he going to tell? We miss out on so much when we're not in fellowship with God's people. Something wonderful happens when we come together as his family, as his people, when we gather together for fellowship, for worship, for prayer, and for Bible study. So anyway, Jesus, he joins these two on their way, and he says, hey, what's going on? You guys look so down in the dumps. What happened? What's going on? What's wrong? Talk to me. They're like, where have you been? Or have you been under a rock these last week or so? Um, have you not been, <laughs> have you not turned the TV on? What's going on? Verse 21. They say, we had hoped. In the past tense. They're saying, we had this hope in this Jesus. We had hoped, but we don't have hope any longer. That he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They thought he was the Messiah. We hoped he was. But he proved us wrong. (laughs) 
And you have to wonder, is Jesus like going, oh gosh. <laughs> Did he roll his eyes? I didn't, you hoped? <laughs> Do you not get this? Here is the living, risen Messiah standing before them, and they're saying, hey, we thought it was a done deal. We thought he was the one, and now it's not going to happen. And it's been three days. How many times did Jesus say that he would rise again in three days? Over and over he told them this, that he would rise again from the dead, not in two days, not in four days, in three days. And here's these guys, it's been three days, and there were these women, they said they saw an angel, there were some other guys who said the tomb was really empty, that he's not there, so, well, we just gave up and lost hope and got out of Dodge. And it's so easy to come down on these two and be critical of them, but you know what? If I were in their sandals, I probably would have done the same thing. I think, honestly, most of us would have done the same thing. Truth be told, most of us have done the same thing because we've not paid attention to what the Word tells us to do. Uh, and we let our emotions, they get the better of us. See, so often what we do is we worry instead of praying. We panic instead of trusting. And we turn away when we should be holding on to him. So what do we need to do to get things back in focus? How, how does Jesus redirect them? What does, he get the, what does he do to bring them hope again? He just speaks to them. And he speaks to them through Scripture. Because it is in God's word that we will find all of the hope that we really need. Romans chapter 15 verse 4 tells us, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. God spoke to them through His Word. Verses 25 to 27 in Luke 24, And He said to them, O foolish ones! And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ, that the Messiah, should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. We don't know what he said. But he had this insight into Scripture like no one had ever had before him. Well, he's the author of Scripture. And he took them on this guided tour through the Bible of all those passages that spoke of the suffering and the death of the Messiah. And their hearts started to burn again. That hope was coming back. They would even say to each other later, didn't our hearts burn inside of us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened up scripture to us? And I'm just going to say this. You know what we all need this Easter? We need a good case of spiritual heartburn. We need spiritual heartburn. What does that mean? Uh, well, According to the Bible, you are one of three spiritual temperatures. There's only three. 
You're either icy cold, you're lukewarm, or you're burning hot. And I have to ask, what is your spiritual temperature today? I mean, when you go to the doctor, what's one of the first things that they do when you walk in? After you've sat in the waiting room for a while, and they finally take you back, what do they do? They take your temperature. Because it's an indicator of your physical health. What's your spiritual condition today? Do you have a cold heart? Matthew chapter 24, verse 12 says, And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. And a person that has a cold heart is someone that doesn't have any spiritual life in them at all. For, for all practical purposes, they have no interest in spiritual things. They don't care about where they're going when they die, where they'll spend eternity. They don't even worry about the meaning of their lives. And I don't know if that describes any of you today, but I need you to know that God can change your spiritual condition. God can change that spiritual temperature. You can go from being cold to hot. And that brings us to the second category, lukewarm. Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, Jesus says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And understand that those words were spoken to people that were in church. They were church people. And they were lukewarm. And lukewarm people, they, they think they know more than they really do. They, they think that they're more important than they really are. They think they have more than they have. And they think that they're right with God when they're not right at all. G. Campbell Morgan said this about the lukewarm condition. He said, There is more hope for the man outside the church in all of his coldness than for the man within the church who is near enough its warmth to appreciate it, yet far enough from its burning heat to be useless to God and man. There is greater chance for the non-believer who has never heard the gospel than for the man or woman who has become an evangelized non-believer. And there's so many people like that today. Oh, I've heard that. I, I already know that. You can't tell me anything that I haven't heard before. And Jesus says, you know what? I, 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 I would rather you either be cold or hot. I just can't put up with, with lukewarm. It's kind of like milk. It's great when it's cold. When it's icy cold, maybe with a donut or a cookie. Maybe you had some this morning. It's great hot, especially with hot chocolate in it. But, but lukewarm milk, room temperature milk, ugh, that's gross. And Jesus says, you know what? It makes me choke when people are lukewarm about me. But these two, they were red hot after spending time with Jesus Verses 28 to 33 in Luke 24, it says, So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. 
And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together. What did they do because their hearts were burning? They immediately returned to fellowship with other believers. They rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They went back towards the cross. They went back towards fellowship with other believers. Back to the Lord. Back home again. And when you're walking with the Lord, you will love to be with His people. There's this interesting little twist in this story. Um, so they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he was going no farther. So, so they're walking along, and Jesus says, Well, okay, guys, it's been great talking to you. I'll see you later. And they're like, Whoa, wait a minute, hold on, just stop. And they don't know it's Jesus yet, do they? They just know this guy is a real scholar. He, he knows God's word just in and out. And they're like, hey, come on, just, just, it's getting late. Just come, let's, let's, we'll hit McDonald's or something. We're, let's just go eat somewhere. We don't need to keep walking. Come and spend more time with us. Why did he act as if he would go no further? This is important. Jesus wants us to want him. He wants us to want him. See, Jesus is not going to force his way into your life. You have to respond. Jesus wants to be invited into your life. And they invited him. And they were rewarded. Because they broke bread, all of a sudden, I don't know, did he take off the funny glasses with the nose and the mustache? All of a sudden, they realize, this is Jesus. We've just spent the day walking with him. And he disappears. I must have been, what do we do? What did we say? Why did he leave us? Here's, here, here we are telling him, uh, we had this hope. We lost it. We thought he was going to be the one to deliver us. But Jesus spent that day with them because he loved them. Do you have a relationship with God today? Do you know God, or do you just know about God? Do you have a relationship, a fellowship, and a friendship with Him? See, Jesus came into this world for one reason, to die on a cross. He came to die so that we could live. And he went voluntarily to that cross. And he died for every single one of us and paid the price for every sin we've ever committed. And he rose again. As the worship team comes, where do you find yourself today? Are you hopeless? Have things just gotten so sideways in your life that you just don't see any way to get around it? There is hope. 
and his name is Jesus. Are you wandering away from the cross today? Come back to it. Jesus died so that we could have life, so that we could have life to the fullest. Today, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, make this, this Easter Sunday, the day that you come and put all of your faith and all of your trust in Him. Romans 10.9, it's so clear and it's so powerful. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's that simple. And it changes everything. Maybe you need to do that today. To admit that you're a sinner. To believe that Christ, that he died on a cross. That he was buried. But that he rose back to life on that third day. Putting paid to your sin and my sin. And confess your faith in him. Just submit to him as your Lord and Savior. And if you've wandered from the cross, if you've if you found yourself walking away from that wonderful cross, that come back. See, He is a forgiving God who loves to give us second chances. So no matter how badly you've messed up, how badly you think that you've failed, all it takes is one step towards that cross. And you have a clean slate to go forward. I encourage you today to not leave here without knowing that that cross is empty today because our Savior lives. I'm going to pray and I encourage you. If you need to come back or if you have never come to him in the first place to do that today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this Resurrection Sunday, a day to celebrate, to, to just, it's so amazing what you did for us. It's so amazing that, that you would forgive us even when we've messed up, failed, that you're always ready to take us back. And Father, I just pray that this day that it's a new beginning. Maybe we've walked with you our entire life. Maybe we've, we've never walked with you. But today we can. And just like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, you'll be with us, encouraging us, and bringing us hope. Lord, just thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for what he's done for us, and thank you what you have planned to do for this with this church, with these people, with our lives, so that you'll be glorified and lives will be changed. And I just pray all this in Jesus' most holy and wonderful name.